Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game episode number 13. I am your host Eric Vanek and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL and I am joined once again by my co-host Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on man? Your uh, Destination Dynasty show dropped this week. Uh was really good listen, so was uh, happy to hear that this Monday morning on my drive into work, so that was good man. How, how did it go for you? It was good. It was good. I was glad that people enjoyed it. I've got a lot of people that have reached out and said, you know, great job. Looking forward to hearing where it goes next. And yeah, I'm having fun kind of brainstorming. I'm not like a super, super uh, pre-planner. So like I don't have months and months worth of episodes laid out. I kind of just go with what what I'm feeling, you know, what I want to talk about, what I think people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm excited and uh, glad to be here for Hopefully not unlucky episode 13 of America's Game, but uh, we've made it through 13. Can you believe this? We've been doing this for, this is our fourth month doing this show. Seems like we just started it yesterday, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. That's crazy. Yeah, we've had all kinds of injuries already too, and man, we've had like a major injury it seems like every week. Just at least one major injury every single week so far, so hopefully that that shit stops here soon. I don't, I don't need any more of these major injuries. Yeah, I mean, and we covered this on the recap pod that we do for my Patreon. So you and I have already talked about it. We've talked about it plenty in the Heisman chat. Um, I think it's been kind of beat to death over, you know, the last couple days on social media. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos on it and whatnot. But uh, I mean, the Javante injury was one of those that it was big because it's, you know, a top 24 conservative like startup pick from like a super flex startup value player, you know, top, top two rounds, top six running back ish. And I think it's easy to see just how quickly that incentive can evaporate when a player suffers an injury like this, because it, it really kind of exposes what was making up a player's value to begin with. If that makes sense. Like as soon as he goes down immediately, it was okay. What really was Javante Williams? Because now He's not a guy that's going to have a big sophomore year because he's not going to have a sophomore year. And he's now a player going into year three where you're wondering, okay, 
I'm guessing he plays in year three. But to what extent does he play? How much does he play? When does he start playing? What's his backfield look like? How much does the team trust him in his third year? So I think it's fair to say like he's going to be significantly impacted from his dynasty value standpoint going into his third year. Anything you get from him almost next year, if it's a bonus. You know, If you're holding him all next year and he comes back in week four, and by the second half of the year, he's a usable RB2. Like, you would take that, right? You take it. Yeah, probably. But that's two years of his dynasty peak. Mm-hmm. Two years of where when running backs peak, not only performance-wise, but when they peak from a value standpoint, it's when they're still young. And I think when you take that away from a guy like Dobbins or Akers I don't know what it is about these sophomore running backs, but this is the third one in the last two years that have been hit by the injury bug at this time of the year, you know, like right at the beginning or going into their second season. So when you take that away, man, when you take away those two years from a running back, it it really makes you examine how good is this running back? So I think I just want to pose that question to you. Like th- this is the worst time for the injury. If this would happen to, I don't want to wish this on anybody, but if this happened to one of the guys that's already in year five, year six, year seven, we wouldn't even bat an eye. We'd be like, oh, that, you know, unfortunately, you know, Derek Henry tore his ACL, but dude, he's already in his seventh season. Mm. You know what I mean? Like from a dynasty perspective, it would hurt, but it would almost be like, all right, that's kind of the nail in the coffin of an, in his career in terms of a dynasty value asset. It does, you know, you kind of like, well, I expected him to probably expire in the next year or two anyway. It just happened maybe a little earlier than I was planning. So you're not going to be able to plan for it, but it doesn't feel like you lost a cornerstone asset. You know, it's not as big of a gut punch. But with Javante, like, man, I know you had some Javante. I know we've kind of already talked about it, but where are you at on it? Just kind of talk about like your thoughts on it. And how, how, when you first saw this, like, what's the first couple things that goes through your mind in terms of like, we know injuries happen, but I got to adjust and I got to kind of have a side on this. I can't just sit back and go, oh, well, it sucks. It happened. Like you got to act fast. So where are you at? Well, first his injury was a ACL, PCL, and he has slight LCL damage. Correct. I believe that's the official diagnosis that we've Yeah. Seen. I mean, it's, and I'm. We can defer to the people that, you know, are experts in that, but it's not just an ACL tear. I think it's more of a, you know, it's like one of those year long injuries or could be a year long versus it's just the nine month injury. I mean, it's, it's a very significant injury. It's, it's almost like JK Dobbins, JK Dobbins had a hamstring tear too with his, but it's pretty much like the same as uh, like a JK Dobbins injury that he received. So, I mean, that's immediately where my mind went to was it was him and acres and especially Dobbins, because it's pretty much like the same injury, like I said. He's going to be out for a year, and we're going to be going into next year's uh, training camps. It's going to be the same thing. You know, Javante's not fully healthy yet. You know, we're taking it slow on him. He might start the year on pup or miss the first four weeks. We, we won't IR him, but, so, you know, same kind of thing. So it's just going to be another struggle again. Like I'm not expecting much from JK this Dobbins this year. Like I with Dobbins, you know, yeah, he got me two touchdowns last week, but I don't expect him to like fully start ramping up until like maybe week eight, nine, somewhere in there. So you still got a couple months for him to ramp it up. 
and he, you know, you pretty much lose half that year because you're gonna want to start him, or you're not gonna be able to start him because uh, he's not playing or not active or whatnot. And it's just the same kind of boat. And then it kind of reminded me of Cam Akers last year. I was a big Cam Akers fan, and you were like, sell for any first as soon as the injury happened. And I was like, oh, man, I, I really like him. I think he can come back. I know this is like a death nail kind of injury, but if there's anybody that could do it, it's Cam Akers come back for it. Well, now look at Cam Akers. Like his value is never where it was where before the, the uh, injury. I think Javante and Dobbins, same thing. You know, Dobbins is never going to be valued to where he was uh, originally before his injury as well. So Javante is going to be the same thing. He's going from top four dynasty running back to in the same range as Dobbins and Akers right now outside the top 12 to 15 dynasty running back. So if I can get any first for him, I'm just selling him. I think that's kind of where I'm at. And we've, we've talked about if you can get any first for Javante, just sell him, move on. You know, and re-roll basically. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. So I'll make a kind of a point to articulate what we're talking about because we've got a lot of people uh, in the Heisman group. I've had a lot of people on Twitter that have not criticized, but kind of pushed back on this. And their argument is normally from a, okay, I like Javante. I think he can recover. I think we both agree with that, right? We like him. We think he can recover. This is not right. an injury that's going to end his career. The argument has always been the market fluctuation on a player like this. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of data to articulate kind of why we're looking at it this way. So you recall we did our main event draft live on America's Game, right? Yes. And that is not a super flex draft, right? Right. Now, do you remember, and I'll just tell you this, two quarterbacks in that draft went before J.K. Dobbins in our main event. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of relating this to dynasty, but not exactly, but it's just going to show where his value was prior to the season for a one season ramp up. Right. And I think mm -hmm. people will go, Oh, that's not dynasty. And I'll say the way we're trending in dynasty running backs are almost a year to year thing. Anyway, if you do a startup in July, People are going to be drafting whatever running backs they project to smash that upcoming year pretty high. You know, they're going, oh, Barkley's going to have his best year ever. I don't care. I'll take him in the second or third round of the startup. And they acknowledge they're not investing in Barkley because he's going to last for eight years. They're hoping to build their team around a guy that's going to smash, right, for a one to two year window at most. So where do you think Dobbins went in our main event? I, I didn't even remember until I looked at it, but just take a guess where he went. What round, what pick? Um, I guess like the 504. A little bit later. Mm, 508. A little later. 511. 511, okay. RB20. Okay. okay. Now, it is redraft, so people are clearly going to take guys that are basically old and dusted if they think they can give them a better 12 weeks than Dobbins, right? So I understand why he would fall to RB20. Mm -hmm. But really, the only guys that went ahead of him that I would say qualify for that, that I wouldn't take him over in Dynasty would be like James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, maybe Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. But I don't even know about that. Let's just say Fournette, James Conner, Ezekiel yeah, Elliott. Right. 
those last three for sure. Yeah. Those three were more of like pure redraft plays. I'm hoping they smash this year, but obviously for Dynasty, they've been devalued for a couple years. Right. So, and that's single quarterback, tight end premium. So kind of similar to what you would see in like a typical 12 team start 10 super flex, but no quarterbacks. So let's just say, I don't know, 15, 18 quarterbacks would go off the board in that draft too, right? If it was a super flex league. Mm-hmm. So you're putting him at around round seven, early round seven, mid round seven mm. in a startup. Now, part of that's impacted by the fact that by time we drafted our main event, which was August 18th, there were some rumblings about, you know, Dobbins isn't going to be ready to start the season, right? Like he, he might or might not start on pup. He's not going to maybe be on pup, but he's not going to be active. They're taking his rehab slow. So there was a little bit of like negative news or like setback news that made people maybe push him down and redraft a little bit. Right. Yeah. But that just speaks to kind of what you can expect with Javante's timeline. Like even if everything goes perfectly, we're doing a main event next year in August. Now, barring that he doesn't exceed his recovery time and we see him like in OTAs and he has no restrictions or something like that. Like, unless we get, crystal clear clarity that he is good to go full workload no limitations cleared for contact all that stuff we're probably not taking him in the first four rounds of a main event draft are we right and i would think the chances of that just the way the teams protect these guys and do that like the chances of him being cleared for otas and full contact and all that is like literally like three percent chance it's it it's not the side I would bet on if I had yeah. to make a uh, an even odds bet. That wouldn't be the one that I would take. I'd take the money right. line on the other side. So right. that's the first thing. So just acknowledge that that next year in redraft, the people that are putting up pretty big money are going to go. Eh, I'm not taking this guy in the top 10, 12, 14, 18 running backs. Like he's going to fall into the range where it's like the dead zone range of okay. He's probably my third running back, maybe my second running back, but I'm not relying on him to start week one. In fact, if he doesn't play until the second half of the year, this is kind of the sweet spot of where I'll gamble and pick him, right? Mm. So now translate that to Dynasty. Dynasty players aren't going to think exactly the same. They're going to take some other younger guys probably over him, and they're also going to not take some of the older guys. In fact, it's probably going to be more than in redraft. Like We see people in Dynasty think of this year. I mean, people still were fading guys like Mixon or Aaron Jones. Like those guys were going behind guys like Dobbins or Akers in leagues just because people go, well, I want the guy that's not going to basically be on his second contract and he could fizzle out at any point. But still, like I look at last year and in, in, in DLF, I using DLF from the other night, Dobbins was RB 14 off the board last May. So that's before we knew anything about his rehab. We just knew he was injured. We didn't know anything about his rehab or when he would be back. But he was RB14. Now, so I'll throw this to you. Do you have any clue right now who the RB14 is in DLF ADP? And it hasn't updated for October, so it's maybe a little old, but I'm just going to use it as a reference point. RB14, take a guess on who you think it is. Mm, Travis Etienne? Uh, he's a little higher. It's uh, I'll tell you, it's Alvin Kamara, which now if, if we re-roll it and look in October, he's probably fallen. 
Right. Uh, and then RB15 is Cam Akers. So also not a great example because he's also shit the bed. So he those two aren't great examples. But we'll go down to the next in line. Uh, Aaron Jones, RB16. I'm guessing he's probably up a couple spots. He probably leaped Kamara and, and Cam Akers, I'm sure, in the next ADP. But you get into guys like right before it is Nick Chubb. Right before that is Derrick Henry. Like, when is the last time these guys were easily worth a first? Um, Henry, when he was going off a couple years ago, probably. And then Chubb, probably. I actually think you can get a first for Chubb now. Yeah, I think think when Henry was smashing and he was the RB1 the first half of last year, you could have got a first. Right. But what do those two scenarios have in common? Nobody was valuing them at a first, you know, taking them that high. Yeah. Until they're scoring 20 points per game. Scoring 20 points a game, yeah. So people are waiting for the, and I don't know if they're doing this on purpose, but they're waiting for the, like, they're waiting for the high warp running back to appear, right? Like the guy that's clearly having a smash season that is in a smash situation that is getting more than enough workload to smash. I mean, right? That's what people are waiting for. So... I just look at that and I go, how long or how far removed are we from Javante Williams getting to that point? I mean, it's going to be at least not next, not the rest of this year, not next year, be at least, you know, three years or whatever until that would actually happen in my opinion. Yep. Now here, that would be what? His fourth year. Yeah. Going into his fourth year. I'll be 25 at that point. Probably. Yep, he'd be going into his fourth year. Now, what if I told you there's two running backs coming into this year that average more than 15 PPR points per game for their career? Going into their fourth year, do you know who they are? What was the question? I'm sorry. Going into this year, there were two running backs that were going into their fourth season that had averaged 15 or more points per game for their career, which keep in mind, Javante Williams has not. Mm -hmm. Who were they? So this would be the eighteen, the twenty eighteen class, twenty nineteen class, twenty nineteen class. So that's with Kyler and those guys. Um, oh shit! I know you remember half of the running. Same class as Miles Sanders, and he's not one of them. Okay, so it's probably not uh, Jacobs, I guess. Josh Jacobs. Yep. There's one is more. Mon- is I'm guessing Monty's the other one. Yep. Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery. Now they've averaged. 15 PPR points per game if you just take their cumulative numbers three for three years. Did, did anyone want those guys? Uh, when they first came out, they did. Oh, but not before This offseason, did anyone oh, want those guys? Season, no. Jacobs, like Jacobs in our redraft leagues, was falling into the fifth and sixth round. Like Some people would take Dobbins before Jacobs at some points. Correct. And my point is, That's where Javante Williams is going to be going into 2024 without the resume with a serious injury and with a situation that you have no idea what it's going to look like, at least with like Jacobs and Montgomery this year, like the only competition they had was like day three running backs. Now they were day three running backs that people liked, but it isn't like they had another guy with the same pedigree next to them. You know what I mean? This wasn't like a, an Antonio Gibson situation where there was a, a round three pick next to them, or even better than that. Like there wasn't a clear better talent on their depth chart. 
And look where they were. They were afterthoughts. Yep. So I'm just forecasting this for Javante and going, he has such a narrow window to get back to the level that people are forecasting that he could get back to. That if you just say, all right, if he gets back to that level, if he gets back at the second half of next year and just absolutely smashes, guess what? People will like him going into year four. I might even buy a couple shares. But I'll also bet that even if he does that, people are going to go, ah, he's a fourth year running back. He's had an injury. I like him. I want him on my teams, but I ain't paying you two firsts. No way. He's a fourth year running back. Why would I give you two firsts? I'll give you a first. And what the hell are we trying to trade him for right now? A first? Yep. I'm trying to trade so it's like first. he could get back there, but you're literally talking like a 5% outcome for him to get back to that point. There's so many things that could go wrong. He could have a complication with the surgery. He could come back and not be the same. He could come back and look like Cam Akers where he just looks bad. And then everyone's like, oh, we told you so. These guys don't come back from these injuries. He sucks. I mean, Cam Akers is the rest of the season. If he plays like he is now, he's a roster clogger next year. He's like a backup that you just want to stash. Right. I mean, mean, that's a totally different injury. A torn Achilles to what Akers has, to what Javante has. I think Javante and Dobbins would be more of the comparison, but it's still a major injury. Okay, well, let me ask you this. If Dobbins comes back and... Has a couple good games, but then he starts to get a little swelling in his knee, and Gus Edwards comes back and takes half the work. Yep. You want Dobbins? I want Dobbins in Dynasty. You know why I want Dobbins in Dynasty? Because I've seen everything play out, and now he's back on the field. Right. And I bet you there's still leagues that if I went and offered a first and a third, I could get Dobbins. Right. So right. why didn't I just take a first when he got hurt? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's that simple. It's not even about... Can he get back? Can he recover? Can he be good? Can he help my dynasty team? It's literally by why do I want to keep that dead asset on my team, assuming all the risk mm-hmm. when the buyback price, even if everything goes right, and I don't have to buy until I see everything go right, the yeah. buyback price is maybe 10, 20% more. Yeah, let some other sucker ha- hold them for that long, and then you can buy them back at whatever point you want when you see it again. Right. And I think one more point is if I'm in a league and I sell you Javante Williams today and you give me your 24 first, you're probably not the guy that's going to sell him back to me in eight months when things is trending right in his direction. Correct. You're going to be the guy that, man, I invested a first. If I sell him, I want more than a first because I'm already in for a first. A lot of people that bought him are going to look at it that way, but we're playing with a portfolio. We have a lot of leagues. So I'm going to sell him in a couple. And you know what? I bet you there's going to be opportunities for the guy that didn't sell when he was hurt. That isn't even trying to sell right now. That will be glad to take a first and a third or a first and a throw in player next summer when things are positive. And he's like, sweet, I can get out. I don't have to assume the risk that maybe he gets back on the field and he stinks. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a, a times where you can buy. You're going to be able to get him in the startups next year. Round four, round five, round six. If you want him, take him. If you're doing a July startup next year and you're like, oh, I'll take Javante Williams. I think he's going to get back. Cool. That's where you get your shares. But don't hold on to the ones you have, especially if he was like one of your hero RBs. Like, don't hold on to him and just sit him on your roster unless you think you can trade him to a tanking team down the road for something that really helps you. Fine. But I, I think we're just about getting the getting the first 
I know if I have firsts in my in my asset chest, I can probably at least go make offers that people will respond to. But I don't know if I'm make offers to other people that have with Javante. A lot of people mm. are going to be like, eh, I don't want him, you know? Right, right. So that's it. I mean, that's that's just kind of, I know we've ranted, but that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I've tried to trade him in a few leagues. I know you've, you've traded him in a few leagues. I've only made one Javante trade. Uh, yesterday, I traded Javante and got back a 2024 first and Alex Madison. So I was happy with doing that. I got... You know, you said that was a smash for me, so that was good for me. I know you got one that somebody offered you. You got uh, Christian McCaffrey and something else for Javante, right? Yeah, I got Christian McCaffrey, and uh, I gave up David Bell and Javante. Okay. Yeah, so that's a, you know, you get McCaffrey for the rest of this year while he's healthy. That could still help you compete, so that's good. I just I've tried some other Javante ones too, like um, any twenty twenty three first nothing. I'll post it in the chat. Hey, any any twenty twenty three first for Javante? No responses. I go out and try and trade Javante. Um, just look at a couple of teams' offers, like teams that are out of it, and if they have like an expiring asset or an asset that I could use if if I was still contending. You know, they decline that. It's like nobody wants to do anything for me. Um, so it's it's tough to do right now. I'm trying to just try my best to trade him if I can. If not, I'm going to have to hold him. I mean, it's not like a death sentence to hold him for a few weeks and you still trade him like a month from now. It's going to be still the same situation. You know, maybe teams figure out, hey, you know, I'm not going to make the playoffs. I'm out of it. You know, I might as well sell. You know, and they'll be willing to buy a guy like Javante who's out for the year. Kind of like Barkley uh, a couple years ago is the same kind of thing. So, you know, maybe I, I just wait for that point, you know, for a, you know, a couple more weeks to go by and, and somebody sees, oh, I'm two and five, I'm out of it, you know, and then that team wants to, you know, buy for next year. That Then I can trade for Javante uh, or trade my Javante then. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can't get the floor price that you're asking for, like the deals we've been talking about, yeah. like your first or, you know, equivalent points, then right. yeah, you just wait. You wait until there might be more sellers flooding the market versus forcing a trade where it's not there. Right. And I'm not going and giving them up for peanuts like uh, some guy offered me a second and two thirds. Oh, that's fair. And, well, no, not for me. It's not. I'm not, you know, like, like you said, like his... I would think his original price was probably like a first and a second before the injury, maybe two firsts. Now it's down to probably just a single first. Um, you know, so I'll sell him for 70% of what he was originally, like you talked about with me. I'll go ahead and sell him for that 70% off price, but I'm not selling him for 20% price where I'm getting a second and two thirds. Like we, we've done the warp pod thirds or negative warp on your team. I'm not doing that. So I'm not, taking multiple seconds for him either you know maybe maybe like three or four seconds okay i can maybe consider that but it would have to be like a, a significant amount for me to even do that yeah i mean i think that the the problem also is that it happened in week four right and so there are teams that are probably interested in him but they're not ready to commit a first yet because they don't know about the direction of their team even two years down the road like they don't, if you're a middling team and you're not even sure you're going to be able to win this year, especially if you're rolling out, you know, someone like Tom Brady or 
you know, some of these quarterbacks that you're not sure what they're going to look like in two years, you may be a little hesitant to trade a 24 first. So I think there's probably not enough buyers that are convicted enough to pick a lane that say, Hey, I need to get Javante, like get these points off my team. So I think that that the timing isn't great. I do think there'll be windows of opportunity that open up to trade him later, but I, I'm, if you can get a deal, establish what you would take and offer it to your league. Don't get picky. You know, don't wait and go, oh, I can get a 24 first today, but let me hold out in two weeks and see if I can get more. You know, like that's not kind of how we operate. I think we play in enough leagues that I don't have the time to shop this the same players every week to everybody and see, oh, Eric, did you win this week? Oh, no, you didn't. So maybe you want to buy Javante now. You know, it's like, do you want him or do you not want him? You know, he's always available. I, I kind of just keep it open. Like, hey, he's available anytime this week, next week. Like I, my goal is to trade him. And this will bring you to my next question I have for you. My goal is to trade him. Here's what I'm looking for. It's probably not unreasonable. You might not want to pay it, but I don't have time to be unreasonable. I don't have time to send you deals where I'm asking two plus first for him. You know, like I'm not going to be an idiot. So take it or leave it, you know, but I, it's, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Like, Hey, I'm trying to trade this player. This is what I'm looking for. If you, nobody takes it, nobody takes it. But I, I get a little frustrated in league sometimes where people are like, they'll kind of troll you a little bit and be like, Oh yeah, nobody wants an injured guy, you know, but it's like, you're not really trying to pull the wool over their eyes. It's just, mm. you're, you're being honest what you're looking for. It's a fair price, whether they think it's fair or not whatever. Uh, but I mean, just kind of talk about your frustration with <laughs> it's even started with trying to trade players like Jamal Williams last week, try to trade him for a second in a lot of leagues. And it was like, uh, well, I, I'm good. I don't want to pay a second. He's a backup. It's like, okay, that's fine. I can, I can accept when you say you don't want to trade for him. It's just don't criticize like, Oh, he's not worth a second. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what, boils my blood a little bit. I know you've experienced that. So talk about that. Like just being open and honest with what you want and you get, you know, snarky responses or pushback. Like we, we've gotten that in some leagues and it's kind of a little oh, bit of annoying. Yeah. It's super annoying. And it makes, that's brings me to my whole point of, I don't like trading. I don't want to deal with people because they're all assholes. They just are, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll type, Hey, I, you know, I, I want to sell this player for a third. Any third gets them, send me an offer, and and I'll even go out and spam some offers too, like you know, try and trade for what I think is a fair fair deal or whatnot. Like I think I offered Robert Woods and a third to get Wandale Robinson rejected, you know, something like that. Like I think that's more than fair, but you know, it get it gets rejected, stuff like that, and then I'll just write, you know, hey, any third gets this player. You know, Robert Woods is the one I'm using here. Or another one that me and you have been doing all this week is Mike Boone. Mike Boone for a third. Any third gets him. You said you've sold a couple. I think, you know, me and you pretty much own him in all of our leagues. Out of our, like, 30, 40 leagues that we have, we probably own him uh, in about half of those leagues uh, together. We'll type in the chat, hey, Mike Boone for any third. I haven't gotten anything this week on them, and I know you said you got like uh, two or three of them that you've gotten for a third. But I get who's Mike Boone, or oh, no, it's Latavius Murray is going to be the guy. You know, I, I'm not giving you a third for him, but 
you know, like last year, Dearness Johnson for a third. Oh, yeah, okay, here you go. I'll give you that third, you know. Uh, Alex Collins for that third. Alex Collins is starting for three weeks. Okay, yeah, here you go. You know, I mean, I'm, Mike Boone's not starting, but he's at least a, a usable running back that could hopefully get you like eight to ten points every single week. He, you know, he could be a startable fantasy running back for you, especially on these. A lot of people are going this zero RB route, so he's a usable running back that you can use. You know, and I'm not, I'm not even getting those. So I have just found trading this week to be very, very frustrating. I think I've gotten like three trades done and I've at least proposed at least 50 of them. So I haven't gotten anything done. I've typed out in chats, you know, some of my teams that I know that are out of it, I'm 0 and 4, 1 and 3 or whatever. And I want to trade some of these older guys that I don't really need anymore. Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, uh, the list goes on and on. Allen Robinson. Hey, these guys are available and I just don't get any offers. Um, you know, I had a league, I have a league with Derrick Henry. I go to the Javante owner. The Javante owner still two and two. He still has a pretty decent team, but he lost Javante. But I'm like, hey, I, I'll, you know, I got Derrick Henry available for you. I'll, you know, Derrick Henry's been smashing the last two weeks and he's looking pretty damn good. I'll give him 2023 first for him. You know, see if if they'll do it. And you know, that hasn't got accepted or or rejected to be honest. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to do stuff like that. And it's just not working. Like I'm, I'm guessing it's people are getting smarter. They're listening to our content. They're listening to other people's content. So it's just, it, yeah, it is very frustrating that I can't get any deals done that I think are, are pretty fair and they're helpful to both sides. It's not like I'm trying to, uh, screw somebody over here. Like, you know, Mike Boone for a third and I'm making out like a bandit here. I'm actually getting negative warp on my team. I'm giving you probably positive warp and it's not, you know, it's not working for me. Yeah. I mean, and we, we set out to talk about this a little bit because, you know, one of the things that we've kind of staked our our leagues on has been this idea of this free market during the season where there is readily available points. If you need them, if you're willing to pay the Piper, if you're willing to give up draft picks for points, there should always be an influx of options available, right? It's a buyer's market for points. And I'm seeing that I've seen, I'm seeing a lot more people. It's not just you, a lot more people when there's an injury, Hey, anyone want the backup? Hey, when Dak Prescott's down, anyone want Cooper Rush? You know, hey, anyone want this spot starting quarterback? You know, anyone want Brian Hoyer? Anyone want Joe Flacco? Now, it doesn't mean people want them, but I've seen a lot more people trying to sell versus people trying to buy. And you brought up a good point that, you know, is that because the last couple of years we've had the the COVID impacts where maybe even you didn't have players out due to COVID, but just the threat of having players randomly pulled out from under you a Saturday night before a game up, uh, you know, this guy's a close contact. He has to miss five days. You know, he can't play. And it's just like that. You can't see it coming. There's no injury report. There's no planning. It's just boom, random Friday afternoon. These three guys tested positive. They're out. What do you do? So I think the last couple of years, people have prepped to have more options available on their team for that reason. Just because, like, you never know when a couple of your starters that are looking good this week are going to miss a big matchup or a great matchup against a bad team because they're out randomly due to COVID. Also, you know, we're not that far into the season yet. So maybe it is a little early to try to be selling some of the spot start running backs. Because I guarantee you, there are people that could use Mike Boone 
but they don't need him to start this week because we haven't hit bye weeks. Maybe they have a couple running backs that haven't gotten hurt yet. They don't need him. They don't need him. And they don't look at him as, and this is where I think people are getting smarter. They don't look at Mike Boone as anything other than tonight's game. He's going to get a shot. If he sucks, guess what? He's out next week. Latavius Murray's in. He may never get another touch. Now, he might work his way back in. But if he goes out and gets three touches tonight and one of them's a lost fumble, he's dead. He's, he's off the fantasy radar. He's on the team. He's probably going to be an active guy. You want to keep him on a dynasty roster, but he's not somebody someone would go, hey, let me buy him because he has a couple starts in the future. And all that $300, $400 worth of fab down the drain. <laughs> well, but, th- but there's also upside. So here's the thing. He's not just a spot starter for this week, too. There's a chance he comes out. Gets 12 touches, scores 14 points, gets a touchdown, and he's involved the rest of the year. So that's the assessment. And I don't think a lot of people think about it that way. But to be frank, neither you or I do either. If you have three or four running backs and you've already set your lineup, you're not giving the third for Mike Boone. Now, I'm not either. I have I, lo- I just looked. I have 24 Mike Boones still <laughs> in Dynasty. So I have a lot of Mike Boones. Uh, and I think in all my lineups I just tracked, I have eight Mike Boone starting tonight. So I'm not interested in buying Mike Boone. I'd actually buy another guy. If I needed a running back on a team, I'd get another one because I have enough of him. But the premise is the same. You and I aren't buying him. If you go set your lineup and you got, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Rashad Penny, you're not buying Mike Boone, right? Right. You're not buying Jamal Williams. So I don't need him. I'll buy him next week after this week. If both my running backs suck or get hurt, maybe next week I'll do it. Yeah. But I think that's how people are. It's literally, someone said it on our last Patreon Zoom chat. They said Dynasty during the season has become kind of a version of DFS. Where if you're playing in a portfolio of leagues, you're basically just setting your lineup. Once it's good, you're not paying draft picks for marginal upgrades a day before a game. I'm not looking at my Jamal Williams and Rashad Penny in my lineup and going, damn man, Jamal Williams would be an upgrade for those two guys. Let me go give a second for him. I'm like, you know what? If I need him next week, I'll buy him. But I'm not paying so that I can take Rashad Penny out of my lineup and put Jamal Williams in. Because right. the odds that one is clearly better than the other, it's like a coin flip. So mm-hmm. why would I blow my second when I don't really need it? That's where I think the dynasty game is changing. People are getting smarter. People aren't taking it to the opposite extreme. Like you and I try to get a lot of picks for this same reason. So we can throw our picks around during the year, right? Like we can buy these guys when we need them. We never have to dip into our own future picks right? to buy players. We don't have to pay our dues two years out to send a 24 third for Mike Boone. You know, if I don't have an extra third, maybe that's another prohibitor that makes me not want to pay a third because two of the deals I've sold Boone for were 24 thirds. Guess what? That dude's got to pay a hundred bucks. Some of them two years in advance because he sold a 24 pick. Right, right. So maybe that's like, oh man, I don't want to spend $200 to pay two years of buy-ins to to put Mike Boone in my lineup when I'll just start Dontrell Hilliard. They're both literally like praying for points, you know? So it's a a tough thing. I think you just got to grind every week. We got to hope the bye weeks and some more injuries kind of level things out. But yeah, I feel the same frustration. I know you were going to make a point kind of about the market like dynamics like that. Yeah. And I know I think a lot has to do too, is we haven't hit bye weeks yet. So, yep. 
you're not going to have, you know, four teams out on by this week and the player pool is shrunk, you know, significantly because of that. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. And I've run into some lineups too, where I'll, I've had Mike Boone for a couple years or I've had, um, I just picked him up off of waivers and I actually don't really need to start him this week. So like, I'm okay with just stashing him on my bench or whatnot, but I'll still have him for the future. Like he's in a good spot for the rest of the season. Like he's at worst, the number three running back on Denver still, um, you know, he'll still have some use. He still has some juice. I've, I've seen him play. He's a solid player. Like, it's not like he's, um, you know, a complete zero or anything like that. I don't, I think he could in a pinch, he could get the job done and hopefully he can show that tonight. And that's probably what he needs, honestly. Like I, like I just said, I have 24 shares. I'm starting eight. So that just tells you there's 16 of them that are on my bench. But if he goes out and has a good game, he is the kind of player. So here, let me pose this next question. Let's say he goes out tonight, 15 touches, catches a couple balls, gets in the end zone, 14 points. Okay. What are you doing with him next week? Let's say he comes out, outperforms Melvin Gordon this week. Mm-hmm. And after the game, the coach goes, yeah, we were really impressed. He's worked hard to get this opportunity. We're going to kind of let it keep rolling the way that it is for the near future. Let's say that happens. That's like best case scenario, right? He goes out and he looks good. He's firmed up a role, even with Latavius Murray there. Right. So we get to Tuesday and next week, what are you doing now? Are you still selling for a third anywhere? Yeah, I'll probably try for a third and a and a running back body back. Like I don't care if they haven't even played it, like Salvin Ahmed or Miles Gaskin, somebody like that. Give me okay. a third and a body back. Just because he showed that he's good. So I can at least get a body back plus the pick. Okay. I nailed the answer. Cause I think where you get greedy is now people will go, Oh man, I want a second. Yeah, I want a second. Yeah. I want I two thirds. Yeah. I want two thirds, man. Look what he did last week. It's like, no, the price really wasn't a third last week given the fact that you and I have tried to trade 40 shares of Mike Boone and we've gotten three deals total. So really his price wasn't a third. Generally it was lower because very few people were accepting the trade. So now next week, if he goes out and looks good, people get greedy and they go like now with Jamal Williams, people are wanting multiple seconds. Right. Like really the price is probably a second. Maybe it's a 23 second. I can understand wanting a 23 and not a 24. But you get people out here going, oh, man, look, he's worth multiple seconds. It's like, no, he, you couldn't get seconds in a lot of leagues before last week. And now you want more than a second? Like, you have to be realistic with the process. Just because he has one good game doesn't mean his price doubled or tripled. And a lot of people do that shit. A lot of people go, oh, you know, Cooper Rush, man, he looks good. I, I'm not selling him to you for a third. He could take over for Dak, Eric. He's worth a second. All right. You know, like that, you have to be realistic with the process here. And it actually helps everybody if you're realistic with it, because there's going to be a time, I guarantee this year, where you need a running back from me and I need one from you. And if we're both kind of on the same page with like, all right, this is what, and this is why last year and the year before was nice. Some of our leagues that we do with patrons and other people that kind of play the same way, there was kind of like a silent understanding that. You know, people sold their spot start running backs for thirds if they didn't need them. You know, we have a couple leagues where it happened. I'd buy one from you. And then the next week you'd buy one from me. Hmm. And it wasn't like we were colluding. You still had to pay the pick. 
But I think everyone kind of understood, at least most of the people in the league kind of understood what the market value was. And knowing that you're playing in leagues with a bunch of other people that are playing portfolios, I don't give a shit if I'm giving you Mike Boone to start this week. You know why? Because I got a ton of Mike Boones in other leagues. So like, you're not getting an edge on me if he hits. Vice versa. So I think it's just kind of understanding when your league is like that and embracing it. And then I'm sure you've run into some other leagues where like, are, are you in some leagues where all the managers in the league are like completely clueless or inactive and like you clearly know they're not going to play this way? What do you do in those? Yeah, I mean, I have some leagues like that where they're just completely clueless. I mean, I still try and if I have the time, I'll go out and spam it or at least write it in the chat. Hey, I got this guy for a third. You know, any, anybody want it? And if they're not active, they're probably not even looking at the chat. They're not looking at the offers. Like the amount of offers that I've sent that are still sitting in the inbox are, is, is mind-blowing to me. Um, I just don't know if they don't get emails or, or what, you know, it's infuriating to me. So why do you, I mean, why do you think that is? Cause I, I will say it ain't that they don't get emails or they don't have access to their phone. Like if you're, if you're playing dynasty and we know a lot of people that don't respond, but mm-hmm. they set their lineups. So you really telling me they don't see that trade. Do you think that there's a lot of people that get that stuff and they just really don't know what to do? Like that, you and I, if you get a trade from Mike Boone, what's the first thing you're doing? Trade for Mike Boone? Yeah, someone offers you a fair trade. It's Jamal Williams. Let's just say Jamal Williams for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's your only second. It's your own second. So you're like, eh, I got to pay the dues. I don't have any extra seconds. You may consider it, but what's the first thing you're doing if you get that trade? I'm going to see if he fits into my lineup that week. Do I need him? Do I need those points? Yep. And if he does, you may consider it. If he doesn't, you probably just reject and move on. There is no like counter offer. You know what I mean? Like the price is fair. You've acknowledged the price is fair, but you're not going to counter and try to get him cheaper. Right. Because the price was fair. You just didn't need him. Right. But you can probably, how fast can you make that decision? Two minutes? Yeah. Not even. Right. And I, I think other people get that offer and they're like, oh, I'm not sure. Or I'll get back to it later. Or you know, why is he offering me this trade? I think I get that a lot too. Dynasty and chill offers him a trade. Why the hell is Scott offering me a trade? What's he trying to do? And really all I'm trying to do is fucking sell Mike Boone. Right. Yeah. It's not to, it's not to take advantage of you or anything. Like I'm literally looking at your team going, you need Mike Boone here. You can have him. You can start him. If you don't want him, just reject it. Do you find that you have more success spamming offers or more success typing in chat? Hey, this guy's available for this pick. Any, the first third pick, third round pick gets him. Uh, I think it works both works both ways. I think a couple of the Mike Boone's I sold, I put in the chat available for a third within, you know, an hour or less. I got a couple offers. Uh, Another one I just spammed. I spammed every I mean, you can do it in MFL. You literally just hit backspace and, you know, yeah. keep, you can spam 20 offers in like five minutes if you just click click fast enough. Right. And uh, I just sent everybody for every single third. I have no shame. I just said, you have eight thirds. I sent them for every single one of them. I don't care. Right, right. You right. know, maybe, maybe you'll want to trade one versus the others. I don't know. But I sent them for every third available in the league. And then I put in the chat, looking to trade Mike Boone. 
So I've not, I've now just sent the offers, but I also put in the chat that he's available. You have it in your inbox, dude. It's on right. you. You just, if you can accept it, it's at your fingertips and you have them if you want them. And, and that's how I got another one. I, like I have one league where I sent out like six offers and I'll come back uh, maybe the next day to look at my lineup. And I see that one of them got rejected and there's five of them are still sitting in the inbox, right? Like I'll go to the chat and at all those people and say, Hey, sent you an offer. Fucking look at it basically. And then I'll get a couple people, you know, that respond and I'll get two, two of them that still don't even look at it or accept it. Like really, like it's just so infuriating that you can't even just reject it or accept it or whatever. Like, even if you just reject it, so it's out of there, like, fine. The knowledge that you saw it, you don't want to do it. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, it's just frustrating that people don't even look, don't even respond to. I, I just hate that. Yeah, I mean, I have a story like that. I'll call him out. It's uh, Rich Dotson from Dynasty Nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost Dalton Schultz. He's a contending the Ohio Dynasty League we did. Uh, he lost Dalton Schultz uh, whenever Dalton Schultz got hurt. So it was, it was a Bengals game he got hurt. So it was going into week three. And uh, so I have TJ Hawkinson and I sent him TJ Hawkinson for a second and a third or TJ Hawkinson for Dalton Schultz, a second and a third, right? You give me the free second and the free third. You can have TJ Hawkinson. I'm kind of like a meddling team. So I figure, I mean, I'm, I'm okay selling Hawkinson for that price. Cause I got a free second and a free third out of it. He didn't respond to it at first. So then after a while, I believe I revoked it after a couple days. And hopefully I'm telling the story right. But I revoked it after a couple days. And then I resent it with just a second. Right? And then I believe he countered with Dalton Schultz in a third for Hawkinson, which I declined. And then before the game last weekend, I sent TJ Hawkinson for Dalton Schultz a second and a third. Because Schultz was going to come back. But no one really knew if he was going to be willing to play or not or how much he was going to be able to play, right? So the game starts. Hawkinson's in my lineup. He goes off. About 4 o'clock, what do I see happen? Dude accepted the trade. While the game's going on. And I'm okay with that. I mean, no harm, no foul. The league is set up to where if a player's already been played, you can accept the trade. It just goes through next week. I don't have an issue with that. But it's like, we went back and forth for a week, and I sent him that offer previously, and he didn't want to do it. In the midst of the game, he accepts it. So, clearly, he he knows what's going on, and he's watching games, and he's following it. And he's right on the button to accept that trade when he's when TJ Hawkinson's going off during the game. So, I, you know, stuff like that. It's not, I, I respect, I probably would have done the same thing if someone left a trade hanging out. But it's just interesting how it's like, oh, man, I, he obviously remembered he had that trade sitting out there because he went during the game and accepted it. But yet, you know, it was it sat there for four days beforehand, you know. So I'd rather you just kind of say, like, hey, man, I'm waiting on the trade or whatever. But, you know, I'm not saying it was intentional, but I've seen that, too, where I've sent trades out. Something happens. Someone accepts it during the game. For the bad or the good. I mean, I haven't been. Have you ever been on any of the sides of like, uh, 
the the guy gets hurt during the game and someone accepts a trade that you had hanging out there? Has that ever happened to you in Dynasty? Like if you send a Javante deal to buy him and then mm-hmm. some asshole accepts it right after they know he's ruled out or Right. Um not in a f- few years, not since like maybe like 2017 or so. Okay. Like I I make sure you know when I'm doing my lineup Sunday morning if there's any trades still in there I revoke them. I don't care. Do you go through and make sure you revoke them all? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I I also, I'm also the guy who doesn't propose too many trades too much because like I said, I absolutely fucking despise trading half the time. So, well, I mean, in some of the settings on leagues, like on MFL, you can turn that off to where you cannot trade a player that's already played. Right. But I don't, I actually don't like that. I don't like that. You shouldn't be, you should be able to trade a player at all times. It shouldn't alter the lineup. If you put them in your lineup, obviously it's not going to be reflected until the next week. Right. But I hate that. I hate, you know, when it says on Monday morning, you can't trade a player because he's already played. Well, no shit. He's already played. Like it's dynasty. It should go through. So if we learn anything, I think commissioners should turn that setting off and allow trades to go through at all times. It's just, they're not going to be reflected in the lineup. If the player's already played, it's that simple. Right. I had that one Javante offer that me and you talked about on your uh, your podcast. It was the same thing. I had to message the guy back and say, hey, I can't – it won't let me accept it until Mon- uh, Tuesday. So Tuesday morning when I wake up, I'll make sure I accept it. He said, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. No problem. But I traded uh, – in that one, I traded Javante. He actually offered this to me. Uh, Javante – Mike Boone and Marcus Mariota. This is a 14 team league start 12, I think. Um, and I got his 2023 first back with that's uh, semi Debbie depleted, but you can also draft Debbie's too. So um, I got it. You know, at least I got a first round pick back. I gave up Boone along with it, which I was fine with. And, um, and Mariota, which I, you know, Mariota's a, you know, starting quarterback at least, but it was fine for me. I got a 2023 first out of it. I thought it was fair. Well, and that is a start one running back league too. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, not that they don't matter, but you know, they're, they're tough. I'll just say, cause I'm in that league. They're tougher to move when it's a start one running back league, because there's just not enough demand for it compared to a start two running back league. People want them. People need them more in start two. So that's another component where it's like, right. You know, I, I'm more apt to trade a running back in that type of format than I would be in a start two running back league because they're more scarce. So, and I also have um, Jameer Gibbs on that team. And so he'll just come in next year and replace that Javante for me pretty much. So that's nice. Yep. So where do you think this is going? Like, do you think the, assuming that we don't have some just exponential downpour of injuries, like, what do you think the market's going to look like over the next four, six weeks, these weekly markets, like these day trading markets, like we see with the backup running backs and the fill-in quarterbacks and the fringe players that are, you know, starting for a short amount of time. I don't see it with receivers a lot. I think a lot of people in Dynasty now are smart enough to know that you're an idiot if you pay like thirds for like the Greg Dorches and Josh mm. Reynolds types. Like nobody, we used to try to sell those guys. Like that's why I don't even bother picking them up. That's part of the roster clogger theory is because like nobody ever wants those guys anyway. So if I'm not using them, they're literally worthless. Like if Greg Dorch doesn't play this week, I'll just cut him. Right. Yeah. Like he's a clogger at that point. So it's really running backs and backup quarterbacks. But where do you think this market's going to go? Like this day trading market in the next four to six weeks? Do you think it'll open up? Do you think people will start kind of abiding by the 
like kind of I scratch your back, you scratch mine type thing when when there's a need and the price is fair? Like, do you think that'll open back up or do you think uh, it won't? What do you think? I think it's going to open back up. Yes. Like, I think I think we just need the bye weeks to kick in. Once those bye weeks kick in and there's multiple teams missing throughout the week. And I think buying those these Mike Boons for a third will open back up. Yes. Um, at least I'm hoping so. Uh, it would really help for my teams. That's for sure. If it doesn't, what do you think the reason will be? I mean, obviously there's, there's the fact that, you know, one people just aren't active and don't even bother to do it. Yeah. But I think even with they, if they are, do you think there's a chance that as this becomes kind of the, I don't want to say the dominant strategy, cause that's not the right word. It's dominant strategy from the standpoint of, like from the odds perspective, it's, I think the best way to play. But when I say dominant strategy, meaning like there's going to be a lot of people that are doing this kind of stuff. And do you think if that's the case that if everyone's trying to do it, that there might be more people that go, you know what? I'm going to play a little defense. I'm going to hoard some of these guys and I'm not going to help out other teams. Cause you may be helping out, you know, all seven of your competitors fighting for the playoffs every single week. If you do one of these deals, you know, I sell you Mike Boone this week. I'll sell you Ty Chandler next week. Like whoever it is, you think more people will go, you know what? I'm just going to hold. I'm just going to let that player rot. I'm not helping Eric because I'm actually helping me by not helping Eric. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. And I think another reason too, I think it just says 2023 on it. I think that's literally one part of what it is. These people value 2023 picks like they're, you know, God's gift to us or something. And they're just valuing them just because it says 2023 on it, overvaluing it. And then they don't want to trade any draft picks at all because every analyst out there has told us, oh, this 2023 class is, is something special. When in reality, it's, it's probably not that great. You know, I think actually think 2024 might be better. So I think that I think that's one of the reasons too that people aren't trading picks cuz it's it's just it just says 2023 on it. Okay, so on the contrary though cuz I always have a counter argument. On sure. the contrary, shouldn't those be people be more apt to trade you their players for your 23 picks? They should, yeah, but I all I ever see is uh Scott Connor or Eric Vanek or somebody else, you know, Ruben and that's in a lot of our leagues. He's been doing it too. Um, they're they're doing the same thing we are, and nobody else is doing that kind of stuff. Like, I know you said you've seen Dogtown and and yourself, Jamal Williams for seconds. I've never seen any of that in any of my chats, to be honest. I never saw any Jamal Williams stuff. Um, I haven't seen anybody else other than me, you, and Ruben post anything about Mike Boone, um, or any of that stuff. Like, I just. I see a lot of these people, they, they're not doing anything. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I mean, I think you have certain types of managers, but it's just, it's interesting. And we'll just leave it at this point, because I think that you have the psychology behind, if you can identify in a league how somebody's playing and what they value. So if you just get a random rejection, and someone may not even tell you this, they may just reject your trade. But if you get a random rejection and it says something to the fact that 2023 picks are too hard to get, maybe you're trying to sell Jamal Williams for a second and they decline your trade and they say, I can't trade my 2023 second. 
I think that class is going to be really good. Okay, I can live with that explanation, right? I'll just move on to the next team. Mm-hmm. However, that same team that has a Jamal Williams two weeks from now, you try to send him your second. What's the response? Oh, man, this player, I think he could be a starter next year. Yeah. Right? So how do you deal with that when there's clear hypocrisy in leagues? And it's not like you want to call them out. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's clear clear that you tell me one thing in one trade, and then a month later, somehow your mindset has has changed when you're on the other end of the spectrum. Right. Like, how do you deal with that? Other than smash your computer screen, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I was, I was, that was my answer. Smash my computer screen. <laughs> I know. I set you up on that one, but I think that's the thing is as long as people are playing yeah. kind of the same trend line, no matter what, I'm totally fine. If you want to be all in on 23 picks and you can't trade one of them away for points, whatever, right. but you should all, if you tell me that you should be the one I can go to and be like, Hey, I got a second. I got a third. What can I get with that? Right. And of course, when you do that, it's well, all my players are great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that endowment effect of like, if it's on my team, it's worth double than what it's worth if it's on your team. Right. Yep. That's how we always do it. Like, like you always tell me, oh, Scott Connor's coming to look for this player. I, it, the price just went up a full round. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So I think it, it, it's not that we were telling people they shouldn't play like that. It's just, I think we're all better off if you kind of just have an open market, you know, and, and treat it as all right, here's where I stand. That's what I try to do. I know that's what you try to do. And I think it helps because we play in a lot of leagues. We can play both sides at pretty much every angle. Right. But it's going to be like, listen, this is what I think it's worth. And if you want to exploit me in another league because you know my line of thinking, then go do it. More Mm -hmm. power to you. But it's the people that just kind of don't have a stance and their only stance is just decline, 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 decline. Uh, Don't know what I'm doing with my team, so I just do nothing. Yeah. And stick in ninth place and never move up, but never move to the bottom because I don't know how to get to the bottom because I'm holding players like for some reason I won't trade Adam Thielen when I'm 0-4. Mm-hmm. Like those types of moves where you're just like, okay. I mean, and I'll, call, I'll call him out Enod in all our leagues. I send that guy multiple offers. I Gracious that he responds and rejects at least. I'll, oh, he I'll does fast him. too. He rejects fast and quickly, but it's always a reject, 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 reject. No, never counters or anything and always like middling in the, in the middle of the pack. So I don't, I just don't get his direction. Now I know he's like us. He's in, I think he's told you he's like in like 80, I think he's in 80 plus. Yeah. So he's in a lot of leagues. So I get it. Like you can't like spend, you know, 10 minutes on every single league. That's just impossible. So I get it. Um, that you but shouldn't do. that be the guy going through his teams going, man, this team's zero and four. I better deal Jarvis Landry. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Or, like, you know, anything like, you know, or he's at least a, a semi contender. He's three and one or, or two and two. And he's right on the cusp of making the playoffs. Here, here you go, man. I'll give you this Mike Boone for a third or um, the one, our one league. I spammed Robert Woods to a third to at least all the contending teams, all the teams that were in the playoffs. Now, I understand you, you couldn't do it because Robert Woods just wouldn't make your starting lineup right now, which I get. But some of those other guys, teams like Robert Woods would probably at least be one of their last two that they'd consider in, especially with Traylon getting hurt now. And Woods is pretty much the de facto only receiving weapon that they have. I can't even get a third for the, for the damn guy. And it's it's just like, OK, like mind boggling to me. 
Well, I think in, in, it'll be funny if you look back at the lineups in that league and what some of the contenders end up starting this weekend. Mm-hmm. And you'll see, uh, you know, a Richie James in there or something, you know, and it's like, right. mm, I probably would have started Robert Woods and, you know, Richie James might be a, a roster clogger here in another week if he does nothing. But th- you hope they're looking at that and going, all right, I'm starting Richie James, but I know he might suck. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm choosing not to take the Robert Woods deal and I'm betting on Richie James, but you're probably not getting any of that context when they reject, like if they just said, Hey, he's not going to make my lineup. I'm not interested in buying him this week. And it just pisses me off because now when Woods goes nine for 85 and a touchdown against Washington, he knocks you down a draft slot. He knocks me down a draft slot. And I'm also saying F you, I want a second for this motherfucker now. Because now I'm pissed because you wouldn't do the third last week when it was pretty well and fair that you could have done it. Now I'm now I want the second. Now I'm going to be an asshole because that's my nature and that's who I am. Yep. So yeah, that that goes back to the when Robert Wood smashes this week. Like you got to really be the part of the price you're getting this week compared to last week is someone actually will take them. Yeah. Like the the famous video. Today's price is not or yesterday's price is not today's price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this was, uh, I think a lot of the, the degenerates and, and portfolio players and people that are in multiple leagues with not just multiple leagues, but multiple leagues with the same people over and over. And we talked about this in the, the Heisman discord earlier this week too, about just the, the nature of some people and how they play. And, and it's not even like they don't have time to, to necessarily play. Like if you're in 10 leagues, you got to have a certain amount of time to even just be in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially people that, you know, I see people not necessarily, cause I'm not in a lot of people from the DD discord, but I'm in a lot of people with our, like a lot of leagues with our patrons mm-hmm. and, or in other chats. And I'll see people that aren't active on their teams, but they're in the damn groupie talking. Yeah. So it's not that they're not paying attention. They're around, you know, they're, they're in other leagues. They're, they're active in other leagues. It's just, you know, sometimes it's just people just see it a little bit differently. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. But I think this anybody that's in a lot of leagues, plays a portfolio, is in a lot of leagues with the same people uh, can relate to this kind of show. And hopefully it's uh, kind of just a lighthearted sit yeah. back and relax and listen to us banter back and forth. So we didn't really have much structure today. But I think it is interesting to talk about like the trade dynamics and the market dynamics. Because, dude, it's so different than it was a couple years ago. Yeah. A couple years ago, there was fish in every single league. Now it's really tough. It's really tough to kind of grind these edges and it can be frustrating. So we constantly have to be patient and pick our spots and any advice you have for people that are a little frustrated with this, like besides, you know, have a room in your house you can destroy so you can take out all your anger like Eric does. Okay. I, a movie scene comes up to my, to my mind. Have you ever seen the movie Vegas vacation? Yes. It's when he's <laughs> he's playing blackjack with the dealer and he tells him to buy a bullet and rent a gun with his one dollar. Man, it's it's so frustrating. Like I get it, like on some people's teams like okay, they don't want to do it. But that's why I usually spam it out, man, and like I'm it's not like I'm trying to like get one over on you. I think I'm doing something that's fair for both sides. At least I try to. I mean, I admit there's sometimes where I might send a trade that's that's not great. Like I just kind of threw it together in an instant. And I didn't really think really really think through it. 
And, you know, we're all guilty of that. We all do that kind of stuff. But, you know, I when I send out something that I think is pretty fair and everybody rejects it and I'm just like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like, it's not like I'm asking for the world. Like, a third-round pick is just – is actually a negative warp value on your team. So, I don't know. They just, That's how, not how they want to spend it, but – I want, you know, I want to try and get these guys for as long as I can. Like, I don't want to buy a guy in week 12 where I only get them for three weeks or whatever before the playoffs. You know, I want, I like to use them for the whole year and try and get as many of his good games that I can. Like, I don't want to trade for like Debo was one of the ones last year. Debo was smashing and smashing. And then you get them, you know, later on and you missed all those smash games that could have even catapulted you to the one seed or something like that, where you had a first round buy, but now you're the third seed. Now you're battling uh, the fourth seed in the playoffs when you could have had Debo all year and it could have catapulted you to that first seed. So I like to try and get these guys done, you know, sooner rather than later. It helps both teams. And if, if I'm trading those older pieces, then it allows me to like, at least tank a little bit and get a better draft spot. So it kind of helps out both teams, but some people just don't want to do it, man. Yeah. We'll see how things uh, develop. It's, it's one of those things where I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm probably going to have to figure out how to adjust on the fly. Cause it, it right. may not flip hey, to where it was the last out, couple of you know. years. <laughs> yeah. You figure it out. Let me know. Cause I, I could use any help I can get, you know me. Yeah. We'll talk about this more. I think this is a, something that no one really talks about on shows like this type of stuff in terms of kind of the psychology behind trading and being able to read the room. We always talk about know your league, know your league, know your league mates, all that stuff. But how do you actually do that? Like, how do you spot this stuff and act on it? Right. Like yeah. if, if you don't and you wait till the off season and you try to figure it out, it's like, it's too late. You need to be able to apply it like day to day when you're in the chat, interacting with people, looking at your lineup, you know, you have to kind of be able to do it on the fly. That, I mean, I admit that's one of my weak spots, so I can definitely learn from you on that uh, for sure because I, I don't get to check the chats as much as I want and see all the moves. Like, you know, if I see trade trade emails, like something went down in this tr in this league for a trade, I, I usually delete it. I might, I might glance at it real quick, but I'm not studying it and, like, thinking, okay, why are they doing this trade or whatnot. You know, I usually either click glance or delete it. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely things I can learn from you on that for sure. Well, and I'll just say this. I think it's more about – uh, you understanding the way you want to play mm -hmm. and then being able to kind of spot when someone else is clearly not doing a similar thing. Right. So, I, I mean, I'll just give you a quick thing and then we'll end it. Like sure. I can look at somebody's lineup or I can look at their roster makeup and I can just tell if they have any sort of plan from like a roster construction standpoint. Mm -hmm. You can just tell, you can look at people's rosters, go through some of your leagues and look at some of the other rosters and just look at the roster and then, you know, the format. And it's like a contending team in a point per carry league. And you look and they have five running backs, you know, or a non tight end premium league. Someone's carrying 10 tight ends. I mean, that's a little bit of an extreme, but like, that's what I'm talking about. I can just look at that team and look at their roster and go, unless they literally just took the team over and they had no control over it. If you're three years in and this is what your team looks like, I can kind of tell you really don't have a concept of like team building or roster construction. You don't really have a plan. So 
maybe I can take advantage of the fact that you don't have a plan because I, now I don't know what you're thinking. You know, I don't know what you're going to value or what you're not going to value. So maybe I'll be a little more liberal with trying to get a certain type of deal with you because I'm not sure really what you're doing because I can't tell. Like I can't spot any way specifically that you're playing. And not everybody plays with a specific idea or specific strategy. But if you can spot that, if I go, Eric doesn't have a strategy. Okay, well, what's the next thing I'm going to think about? Where is Eric getting his information? How the, what is he building over here? What's his team build? If I figure that out, I probably know how to trade with you. More so than someone else that I have no clue. So I think reading little things like that, it's like reading a player at a poker table, you know? Like once you kind of get an idea of where their mind is, you've, you've kind of had a, a chance to beat them at that point. So that's something to think about. And you don't need to know them. You don't need to talk to them on the phone or be on a podcast with them. You just kind of have to like observe a couple things that they do. And then you're good from there. So good topic, man. I enjoyed talking about it. Do you want to do a uh, favorite segment of the week? Do you have one in mind? Yeah, it's uh, time for America's favorite game, man. Are you excited? I am enthralled. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. So the one I came up with this week is what was your or is your favorite video game? It could either be one that you played religiously all the time or, or whatnot. It could even be a sports game. I don't care. Whatever video game that you used to play or, or just liked. Uh, I'll say I have three different ones that like literally defined my video game life. Okay. Uh, so the first one, uh, definitely Punch Out on Nintendo. Yep. Was a classic. I mean, I remember playing that as a kid and... You know, I it was before, obviously, with Nintendo, unless you had like a Game Genie or something like that, you couldn't save it. Yep, you had to enter the little, you had to enter the password and stuff to save it and respond or repeck where you were last time. Yep. So I remember multiple times getting almost to the end of Punch Out and like my sister would come in and I would leave the controller there. I would just leave it paused like down the basement or wherever I was playing. And my sister would come through and like turn off the TV and I'd be so pissed. So that oh, I just remember that as a kid. Like yeah. that was one thing. Uh, the other one, uh, definitely NFL blitz. Okay. Playing that as in high school, um, junior high, high school, like NFL blitz was huge. I mean, we played and we had whole seasons of NFL blitz that we played after school. Like me and my friends would play NFL blitz and we all on N64 and we all played, like we all created custom playbooks and stuff. I mean, it, it got pretty intense. Like we were playing full leagues. So that was, that was a memorable one. And then a game I still play. I've played with my sister growing up. My friends played it in college, played it with pretty much anyone I've ever dated. It seems like I've had, they like to play Mario Kart mm-hmm. on N64. Uh, and I even play with my wife now. So like, okay. I still play Mario Kart 64 on N64. Like that, that's the game I- that's lasted you know, 25 years for me. Okay. Yeah. I think I have multiple ones too. Um, I'll mention my favorite one there at the end, but like Nintendo, when I was growing up, I had, you know, a lot of those games. I used to love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that was on the original Nintendo. I had, I played that game like almost every single day. It seemed like, so that was, you know, one of my first ones that I remember. Then when you get into the, uh, N64 days, I had obviously all the the sports games, Madden's, um, and all that. I play on there. The wrestling games, you know, WWE and WCW games. I used to play those games religiously too. 
Uh, but GoldenEye, GoldenEye is one of my favorites. I used to put, love playing that game almost every single day as well. And then um, once I got into the PlayStation years, it was pretty much Madden. Uh, triple play baseball, which was an awesome game at the time when they had their baseball. And then it changed into MVP baseball. I used to love playing NBA Live back in the day um, on those. But my main game on PlayStation 2 was SOCOM 2, which is like uh, pretty much like a, a, a advanced Call of Duty, like, uh, you know, team up eight on eight it was like the one of the first online multi big multiplayer games uh for playstation 2 back in the day um man i i couldn't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of hours i have on that game and playing that game and playing with with friends and being a part of a, what they would call a clan on there and doing like matches and stuff. It'd be like eight versus eight versus a no other team. And just like the crazy shit people would do, like obviously AOL messenger was a thing. So you'd have your computer up and you'd have AOL messenger up and you could like type back and forth. Like, Oh, this guy, this is where this guy's at. This is where this guy is at kind of like cheating back in the day, or you'd have them on, a, on uh, your phone, you know, on a, a voice three-way call or something like that like, like if you died or whatnot so it was always like intense shit man uh but yeah socom 2 was was one of the the games that i um absolutely loved and still love to this day i actually just found a um a game company about like a month ago that started up a a new game using all the maps from that socom uh, back on the computer it's called task force um, and I've been playing, I've been playing that a little bit here and there, and it just plays the same way that it used to play for me back in the day, just on the computer now and all that. So yeah, it brings back a lot of, uh, a lot of fun memories. That's for sure. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was our best America's favorite game segment. I like that one. We could probably do a half hour episode on just like video game memories and stuff. Cause we go back from playing, uh, I mean, I, I was big into playing, I mean, Yahoo pool. I played religiously yeah. forever yeah. yeah i remember yahoo pool i remember you used to beat my ass in and yahoo dominoes all the time too remember yeah that? yahoo dominoes but yahoo pool i mean i was in so many leagues and i got like really good to the point yeah. where i was playing eight hours a day i mean it yeah. was it was hardcore and then uh ultimate baseball online or real baseball online i played that for like four years on we had teams and I mean, that was another game where I was, I mean, I would come home from work and this was back like right after college, I'd come home from work and I would literally play that till I go to work the next day. Right. Like a disgusting amount of time where like that, you could only do that when you're in your twenties and you have nothing else to do. You know, I would play that until then. And then we go back from playing like sim games and stuff too. You know, like we had some yeah, baseball, baseball mobile. mobile games and yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, there, there's that one that's out there now, the, the out of the park baseball. It's the same thing, but just way more advanced. Um, yeah, yeah. If you ever wanted to go back down that rabbit hole, that I would definitely recommend that. They I mean, I hockey one too. I do, but you don't. <laughs> I don't because I I know how I would want to do it, and it would have to be like all in, and I yep. just don't have the capacity to do it. You know, but right. yeah, I I love the. That's why I I, I enjoy talking about. Like, I think I will go down that road when we get into the NCAA football game when it comes back out. Yeah. Same. And some of the some of the sim leagues that will come up from that. 
like I'll be in, I will definitely do that. Like that'll be something yeah. I'll get back into. Cause that's another game that I played for. I mean, I played four or five. I think most of us that are, that like football played NCAA 14, you know, the last one that was there, like they yeah. played that. I played that for four or five years. Yeah. People still play it. Yeah. I played that for four or five years after continuing, you know, right franchises or you know schools that i i mean i got some to like 2070 you know what i mean like i just kept playing them so right yeah that'll be exciting because there'll be i'm sure there's a lot of new sim stuff that'll come out with that that's already been out there so yeah i'm looking forward to it man same all right guys well that is going to be it for this week's episode good luck to um everybody in week five this week hopefully uh knock on wood here no more big injuries this week and for the foreseeable future let's kind of keep all these guys healthy but yeah man it was fun so you can uh, find me on twitter at eric vanek nfl you can find the show at america's game pod also on twitter and uh check out scott's new show here on the destination Devi feed it comes out monday mornings destination uh dynasty really good show all, obviously all the other shows on there too um we got Ike and uh, Gene on there. We got Adam and Mike with 4D Chess. You know, race posts and stuff. We got the injury stuff on Sunday mornings that Jeff Mueller provides as well. Check out the newsletter, um, allgas.beehive uh, slash subscribe. Make sure you guys check that out too. Subscribe to that. And you get um, a bunch of great info every Friday morning to you guys. So, Scott, anything else you want to share? No, that's it. Uh, pretty cool to be uh 13 episodes in. Good luck, everybody, in week five. Uh, we'll report back with uh, hopefully something a little more planned and scheduled, but I really enjoyed this episode. So at uh, Charles Chill FSB is where you can find me, and I uh, will catch everybody next week. Mm-hmm.